Welcome to The Refresh from Insider. I'm Rob Gunther. And I'm Carrie Donahue. It's Monday, September 12th, and we're here with you updating the news all day, every weekday. Here's the latest. After weeks of growing international concern, the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in Ukraine is finally able to shut down its last reactor. It'll now be cooled and placed in a safer state. And this is important because the Russian-occupied plant has seen strikes in and near the facility. It's all raising the risk of a nuclear catastrophe. Chicago was paralyzed yesterday by an unexpected downpour that closed businesses, flooded basements, and turned some streets into rivers. The sewer system was completely overwhelmed. An estimated five inches of rain made geysers out of drains that could not handle the pressure. Over at Soldier Field, the Chicago Bears celebrated their 19-10 victory over the 49ers by making the end zone a slip-and-slide. 15,000 nurses at over a dozen Minnesota hospitals are going on strike this morning. The Minnesota Nurses Association has been in contract negotiations for months with seven major healthcare providers, and they've been asking for more pay, a 30% wage increase over three years. The hospitals, they say they can't afford it. Talks went on until late Sunday night, but the two sides could not come to an agreement. Hospitals will remain open, and they've been training temporary nurses to cover the three-day strike. Sweden held elections yesterday, and while official results won't be in for a while, a far-right party with neo-Nazi origins made the biggest gains. It now appears on track to be the Scandinavian country's second biggest political party and could potentially influence the emerging coalition government. The group's anti-immigrant platform seems to be taking hold. More than 80% of voters turned out for the election, which was dominated by gang violence and rising energy prices. More than a century after the Wounded Knee Massacre, two South Dakota tribes will buy the land surrounding the National Historic Landmark site. The Oglala Sioux and the Cheyenne River Sioux tribes, whose ancestors were among the nearly 300 killed by the U.S. Army in 1890, will together pay half a million dollars for the land. This ends a decades-long fight over the land, which had been owned by a white couple. Today and every day, we're updating the refresh from Insider as news happens. So check back whenever you want to know the latest. Coming up, we talk about how one man grappled with the stigma of monkeypox. Visa, MasterCard, and American Express are adding a new merchant category code, or MCC, for gun shops. MCCs are four-digit codes that categorize shops based on what they sell. Lots of specialty merchants already have these codes, like bike shops or fast food restaurants. But gun shops were categorized more broadly, often as specialty retailers or durable goods sellers. So why does the change matter? Well, gun control advocates say this will help track suspicious gun purchases and flag them to law enforcement, which may be a way to curb mass shootings. U.S. News and World Report's annual college rankings is out today. Princeton is number one. MIT is number two. A bunch of other big-name schools are tied for three. But does this list even matter anymore? This summer, a Columbia University math professor upended the ranking system, revealing that his school fudged the numbers to score second place last year. It's opened up bigger questions about how expensive elite schools are self-reporting data that shape the entire higher ed landscape. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona recently called the list a joke. 
A new test is being hailed as a potential game changer for cancer screening. The Galeri test looks for cancer DNA in a person's blood well before the patient shows symptoms. In one study out of England, 6,000 adults were screened using the new test and it detected the disease in dozens of participants. Each cancer was in the early stages. The technology is still in development, but doctors hope routine early detection could help save lives. Tennis has a new star. Carlos Alcaraz has won the U.S. Open Grand Slam, beating Casper Ruud on Sunday. Alcaraz is only 19 years old, now the youngest number one ranked male in tennis history. The Spanish sensation is considered the next big thing in the world of tennis, joining the ranks of legends like Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. I'm really happy to uh, move on to, to be number one of the world, to uh, get uh, still growing, so I'm so, so happy. We all remember Aretha Franklin as the Queen of Soul, but recently released documents show the FBI was more interested in her connections to communists and black liberation groups. After a journalist submitted a Freedom of Information request in 2018, her 270-page file has been unsealed. It shows the FBI was keeping tabs on Franklin's civil rights activism and her friendship with Martin Luther King Jr. and Angela Davis. Ultimately, the Bureau decided there was no cause for alarm, Hardly a sign of R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Monkeypox has mostly disappeared from the headlines in recent weeks, cases are trending down, and it might be easy to think it's all over. But for people who have had it, they won't necessarily forget the impact anytime soon. Joel Marino is Insider's Director of Editorial Training, and he's written openly about his experience stuck in isolation with monkeypox. So in your piece, you talked about this knowledge gap, right? Like we had two years to prepare for COVID. You had COVID, but then monkeypox just kind of came in out of nowhere. What did that uncertainty feel like? So I had COVID first in June and right after monkeypox in July. So that back-to-back experience let me see the difference between these two illnesses During COVID, I felt all the symptoms, but we've been going through this for two years, so I was fairly confident that I was going to get through it okay. When I got monkeypox right after COVID, it was a completely different experience. I couldn't find information on testing, vaccines, symptoms, how long it lasted. That confusion and shock led to panic, (laughs) and that ended up being one of the worst things about contracting the illness. Places where I did get information wasn't the media, wasn't government, it was uh, social media, TikTokers, people on Facebook posting about their stories. So I found accounts by gay and bisexual men who had just gotten the illness and they were talking about their symptoms, what they were experiencing. That gave a human face to what I was going through, and I followed those stories more closely than I did any media story about statistics, features, data, et cetera, et cetera. You mentioned your sexual orientation. I was struck by your piece, what you called the internalized homophobia that sort of emerged during your illness. Can you describe what you were feeling and how you pushed through? So I was dealing with uh, night sweats, fevers, uh, swollen lymph nodes, my throat got so swollen I could barely swallow, talk. And then on top of that, staring out at my hands, my arms, my face, clusters of sores and blisters all over my body, 
it gave me this apocalyptic feeling. And I come from a religious background, so I remember growing up learning about biblical plagues and growing up in the 90s, AIDS and HIV being a punishment from God for the gay community. And I internalized all of that. So as soon as I saw physical manifestations of the illness, all of those thoughts came rushing back. Again, everyone was focusing on, this is how you know if you have monkeypox. These are the physical symptoms. Nobody was talking about the psychological toll of an illness that you can see on your body. And so how did you get through that? Uh, humor and um, gay media. I didn't talk to many friends through this, mostly because I couldn't talk. Literally, my throat was very swollen. I felt I couldn't really talk with my parents or family about this, just because they are very religious and talking about gayness, homosexuality is still something we don't openly chat about. So I watched a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race. I named some of my blisters just to keep myself entertained. Uh, there was one I called Postule Malone. <laughs> Uh, another one I called Blister Mistopheles for any Cats fans out there. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I was avoiding cabin fever on top of my actual fever. Monkeypox might be out of the news, but it doesn't seem to be completely going away. Do you have any advice for anyone who gets sick going forward? Don't do what I did, which is just close up and just think I could get through quarantine by myself. If you have a support system, reach out to your friends. Don't be embarrassed by it. Let them know I'm going through this. It's very tough. So take care of yourself, get vaccinated, talk to people. It's important that people know that this is something that's affecting their loved ones, their coworkers. Don't hide it. The more that people know this is out there, the more information we'll have and the more support the community will have. Joel, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for sharing this story with your listeners. Joelle Marino is Insider's Director of Editorial Training. Make sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. I'm Carrie Donahue. And I'm Rob Gunther. Talk to you soon.